This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Women at Work on Business Radio. Welcome to Women at Work, our weekly conversation about how we can help more women join, stay, succeed, and lead in the workplace. I'm your host, Laura Zarrow, Executive Director of Wharton People Analytics. While the University of Pennsylvania, like much of the world right now, is closed down to stop the spread of the coronavirus, we are thrilled to be back on the air from my home office to talk about how we navigate this new normal and prepare for what comes next. Just a note that new episodes of Women at Work premiere on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. You can follow the show on Twitter at SXM Business, as well as through my handle at Laura Zarrow. And you can download us wherever you get your podcasts. So according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, only 29% of Americans worked from home on a regular basis before the pandemic hit. That means that for most of us, this extended period of working from home is a whole new thing. While your pets may love it, chances are you're feeling a cocktail of emotions that fuels a daily countdown to cocktail time. Never mind if you're struggling to homeschool your kids, keep your entrepreneurial venture afloat, or manage a team of equally stressed out staff. So I figured the best possible guest for a time like this is someone who can help us with all of that and more. Mara Ahrens-Mealy is a work from home veteran a marketing master, and one of the most authentic and insightful communicators I know. Mara founded the award-winning social impact agency, Women Online, (coughs) and its digital database of women influencers called The Mission List. An extremely anxious introvert herself, she's the host of the HBR podcast, The Anxious Achiever, and author of the fabulous Hiding in the Bathroom, How to Get Out There When You'd Rather Stay at Home. She's launched campaigns for the UN, the Malala Fund, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and has written for the New York Times, Fast Company, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, and The Guardian, amongst other things. And she does all this while maintaining an active family life that includes three young kids. So, Mara, welcome back to Women at Work. (laughs) Hey, Laura. (laughs) So, we were talking about this the other day that we're as grown women we are many things we wear many hats and somehow we got to wear them all at the same time right now so how many hats are you juggling during this pandemic period (laughs) well i i have 14 pets which is probably me no nine of them are chickens but um i I have nine chickens four cats and a puppy so like (laughs) When I think about the totality of all the critters who I have to feed and make sure survive every single day, which includes like maybe wrestling a hen from a fisher cat and making my making sure my 11 year old like gets his homework in on time. It's a little nutty. And um, I'm definitely having more cocktail hours. Than I used to. <laughs> Yeah, join the club. So, Mara, with here's the thing: that sounds like that could be a full-time job on its own, just care and feeding for all those living creatures. Um, this must have busted your introvert groove because you used to have a lot of time at home alone to actually get deep work done. Well, my my whole thing, and I've talked about this, was I used to, I mean, this this sounds like an incredible luxury, and, and it is, I used to have at least two hours a day by myself. 
no, not even talking to anyone. You know, I could even turn off my phone. I had built my life and this is something I'm really proud of. I had built this life so that I worked at home. My kids went to school. Um, I had childcare even while I worked at home, which is something that I, you know, like you have to have childcare even though you work at home. And so I had built this life where I had so much alone time. And of course that's gone now. And um, if you're an introvert, even if you're with your nearest and dearest and the people that you would take a bullet for, you still need to get away from them. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, right. And, and Zoom is also, even though we think, oh, it's just a Zoom call, we're all working from home. I find Zoom more intrusive to my introvert ways and my, and my social anxiety than being in a room with people because you're in, when you're in a room with people, you get their energy, you know, you get the adrenaline. Mm -hmm. With Zoom, I feel like you don't have any of the good stuff but you still have right. people in your face and the pressure to perform. I totally feel that. Even though I have to admit, I have been a longtime video conference fan. Mm. I've been doing it probably for about 10 years mm. because I like to see people. And to me, that's better than just doing it by audio, but it's never the same thing as being there. And when we're in a room together, we laugh, we move, we get up, we draw on the whiteboard, we get a cup of coffee. I feel like I'm on a week-long airplane ride where I'm strapped into a seat looking at a screen and yeah. I, I can't get up. And it's you know, physically exhausting. And your neck hurts. Because <laughs> yes. I know because like you're craning your neck, you know, Daniel Goleman calls it emotional Wi-Fi when we're together, right? We, we pick up cues from each other. Um, and some people do find that from Zoom and like you and I can see each other right now and that's great. But for, but I find it also exhausting. And yes, my neck always hurts after a day of Zoom calls. I don't know why. <laughs> and also part of what Maura can see that um, the listeners out there, you're, I'm actually grateful you can't, is that part of how I got a little time alone so I could talk to Maura is I'm actually broadcasting out of my bedroom closet because it's, really... it's private and it's quiet. It's, I feel a little crazy, but it's actually quite comforting in here. I can <laughs> so, see all your blazers. <laughs> yeah, the ones I'm not wearing because I'm in a t-shirt every day. Yeah. So Maura, I want to drill back into what life is like for you at home now and how you've shifted your routines. Because as you were saying before, you got, you very carefully, purposely orchestrated your life so that you worked in a way that helped you thrive emotionally and professionally. We mm -hmm. talked about this the last time you were on the show. And by the way, if anybody wants to check out the old show, it's on SoundCloud. It's a great, I really loved that interview. Um, and you talked about how it helped you decide what was important to you be the best version of yourself. You um, consciously leaned out of certain things that were norms in the workplace so that you could be um, your most productive self and your most at peace self. Mm -hmm. That's all been kind of like blown to hell right now. So how are you with your 14 living creatures managing to keep yourself on even keel. Let's start there because we can't even talk about how we get good work done if we can't start with how we find some kind of um, calm, even if it's for half an hour at a time. I'm, I'm not on an even keel. No. Not I'm, even close. I mean, sometimes. I, are you? I, 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 <laughs> I, um, I'm not. I, you know, it's okay. On some level, because, I, because I'm also a really anxious person, and that was also behind the way that I set up my life, um, I've been preparing for this for a long time in my, in my head. Um, 
I always thought the worst was right around the corner. And so here it is. <laughs> so in a way I'm, I'm sleeping. I, I sleep okay. through the night. I Good. feel calm when I go to bed and I know a lot of other people don't. Um, so in a way, my anxiety has met the moment and they're dancing together. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's a blessing. And I'm also, I'm blessed to be healthy and, and, and have, have a job and, and all that. So um, in a way, I, I am on an even keel, but I find the routine of the day really hard. It's really hard to get headspace and the time to yeah. think, you know. So um, I, I do feel like I'm phoning it in a lot and um, that I have this image in my head that I want to be this great homeschool mom and I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, it's like, every day is different. I think what I'm trying to do to keep an even keel is literally take it day by day and not think into the future. I think that that's really helpful. I get up in the morning, I make a schedule. I actually started doing this daily gratitude journal, which is awesome. It's called the five minute journal. So it makes you write th three things you're grateful for in the morning and say, you know, what will make today great. So I make myself do that, even if I feel like crap. And then I make a schedule of the day that's very nitty gritty and it integrates home and life and me and personal stuff. Um, and that keeps me on a little bit of an even keel. My husband and I have been trying to be very regimented to avoid all the ambient feelings from our kids, ourselves, <laughs> the news. So talk to me about this daily schedule because um, I feel also I'm living as in the moment as I can. Mm -hmm. um, Sleep has always been elusive for me and mm. it's continuing to do so now. Exercise is really helping. And I am finding that the more structured my days are, the more productive I am and the better I feel, the less out of control I feel. But I find it hard to make a schedule that integrates everybody and everything because the combination of there's too few hours, too many people, and I'm a little too ambitious about what I want to get done, yeah. that I just wind up feeling... Um, like I'm behind the eight ball again. So how are you structuring your schedule? I'm doing less. I'm doing less and I'm and I'm and I'm being trying to be honest about that. I, I'm actually taking take peeling back the ambition because I know I'll probably only get two good hours a day to work um, between everything. And so like what can I do in those two hours? You know, because the other thing, and I don't know if you feel, I mean, you have a you have a teenager at home, is that my kids are also very volatile. So what I also find happening is I'll be working, I'll be in a groove, but they'll have a fight or my, my older son who has special needs will flip out and they'll barge into my space and in hysterics. And then I have to, I have to, and I want to deal with them and then work gets pushed aside too. So it's, right. it's tough. It really is. And a colleague had taught me about the concept of code switching and mm. that if you can stay focused for a stretch of time, you can be super productive. But every time you code switch, you move from, say, the interpersonal navigation of the war between the kids back to trying to write. And now the phone rings and then the groceries that you didn't expect are delivered and you have chickens to deal with. Each well, one yeah. of those things is not just a distraction. It's actually changing the way we're working and processing. And we lose time time transitioning back and forth you lose time and and i honestly the thing that i have learned that's been beautiful is that my team i run a small business um and there are eight women give or take we have a lot of contractors so eight to ten to twelve women that i interface with every single day 
who are working on various projects. And what we have learned to do, which is beautiful because we're all in the same situation, is be super explicit. So I will text a colleague and say, please tell me exactly what you need from me today. Talk to me like I'm five. (laughs) (laughs) Really break it down. (laughs) Break it down. I need to know what you expect from me because I probably won't be able to do more. But if you can figure that out, we're good. And what's so amazing is like, we're all leaning on each other. And that makes me really happy. It makes me realize that the business doesn't depend on me, that I'm not alone. Um, and, and that's been a real gift that I think I will carry forward if God willing, we are post pandemic. So if you're feeling alone in all the burdens and also my partner, I've, I've, I've actually, my husband has, you know, who was sort of, let's be honest, we had a little bit of a 1950s arrangement before this (laughs) because I was always home and he was hardly ever home. He's home now. He cleans, he cooks, he does laundry. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) I know for those of us that are lucky to have partners like that, I I am so wildly grateful because that's not how it was for the first half of my life. Um, For those of you who just tuned in, this is Women at Work on Business Radio, Sirius XM Channel 132, and I'm your host, Laura Zarrow. My guest today is Maura Ahrens-Mealy, founder of the social impact agency, Women Online, and host of the Anxious Achiever podcast. So Maura, as part of what you were just saying about this group of women that you work with, talk to me about the hierarchy in your business um, and how you as a leader, as a founder, are um, keeping your esprit de corps up. So, because I thought what you just gave us is a great piece of advice for how to help each other be effective. But um, we also need to keep our teams functioning as teams. How are you doing it? Well, you know, it's funny is that while this has all been happening, I've been working on a really long um, article for Harvard Business Review, which I which I write for about anxiety and leadership. So while I've been trying to lead a team, I've been delving into the literature, which is kind of awesome. Um, and what I think, and, and I can't say this for myself always, but what I've noticed about the leaders that seem to be making it work right now are the leaders who and I'll give you a great example. I spoke with a senior executive at um, the tech company Avalara, which makes remote working tools. And, and she was talking about uh, an SVP that she really admired. And she said, this woman made us feel normal when things are so abnormal, because she said, look, I'm scared. This is so weird. This is freaky. I cannot tell you that things are going to be okay. I don't know that. But what I can do is that for the next half hour, we're going to be here together. This was all on Zoom. We're going to be here together and we're going to figure out what we can. It's so honest. It's, it's normal. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, you know, um, Amy Cuddy has the, the, the wonderful research where she shows that the best leaders are both warm and competent. And I have been really thinking about that. Like, if you had a boss who just pretended that everything was great right now, you would think they were a psycho. Yeah. It, like they hadn't grasped reality. Right. Like, excuse, uh, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> are you living? So, 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 so you have to acknowledge and also the, the, the collective anxiety, right? Like who isn't anxious right now? 
again, you, I don't, I cannot imagine a world in which you weren't anxious. No. And it, and it's also in our home lives as well as our work lives. My daughter, as you said, I have a, a 17 year old daughter um, and she's an only child. So it's not like she's fighting with her siblings and, mm. you know, but at the same time, um, especially for all of us are feeling um, lost for different things that are part of normal life. Yeah. And our seniors across the country have lost prom and graduation and these, uh, you know, cultural rites of passage that um, feel like a real loss. And so let me share with you how I talk to her about it and tell yeah. me if this feels like I'll take any advice you've got to offer. And it's similar to how um, my, our, I talked about it with our staff. It's like we have parallel realities going on. And one is what we're losing, the way our day-to-day -day lives are different, that are real losses for us. And that there's a grief that we have for them and a sadness we have around what has changed in our day-to-day -day lives. But then there's also this bigger world that we live in where we are in so many ways so lucky. Mm -hmm. and feel so grateful and that it reminds me of like I, i've been looking back to other periods in history like world war ii mm. where you know at the same time that you could you got some sugar during rationing so you could make a cake at the same time that people were wait like getting news of lost sons like yeah. we're getting news of lost parents now and so it's like two concurrent realities both of which need to be honored I, I think that's a hundred percent right. And I can imagine though, for a young person, seeing the larger perspective is, is really hard because the grief that your daughter is feeling is so real, right? right. Like all, she's been working so hard and seen a hundred movies about prom and <laughs> right. And like, it's been taken away from her. And, and not only that people she loved might get sick and die. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I have also been reading a lot of novels about the Blitz um, and, uh, and it's very resonant because, and, and also really great novels about the Blitz talk about the boredom right. and the fresh, you know, the women at home, the boredom, the children, the miserable children, they were hungry, they were bored, their normalcy had been taken away. And there was all this existential fear. So I think we have to acknowledge it. I think the other thing is that, um, you know, I think there's a tendency if, if we're fortunate to minimize our grief, you know, and say, well, that's stupid because people are dying, but nothing's stupid. And so I also think that if you are, you have a team or you're a parent and you're talking about this stuff, like acknowledging that no matter what you feel, it's not it should be, it should, it's grief, you know, it's not stupid. Right. Um, because, because we've lost a lot. We have. And also I think underneath that, um, I hear a message of our feelings are real experiences for us. Mm -hmm. And even if they're inconvenient, even if they're not what we wish we were feeling at the moment, we can't wish them away. So we have to acknowledge them. And we have to sit with the discomfort that that can bring. And that's hard. So as um, a business leader, there's, um, you know, our kids have the grief for what they lost. You're probably, I'm sure, at least sad about the absence of time home alone during the day that nourishes you and fuels you um, from a business perspective. What are the things you're afraid of right now and how are you handling them? 
Well, so I lost, I mean, I lost at least half my revenue for my small business for the year. We were, um, you know, in, in the, um, the week that South by Southwest got canceled, that was to me like the turning point week, right? When mm-hmm. we realized from a business perspective, this is not going to be okay. And a little, about 30% of my business is event support conferences. So um, in an hour that week, we lost $300,000 in planned revenue. Oh. And as you can imagine, like I run a very small business. I employ women. Like it, that, was, that was so scary. And I freaked out and immediate, because I'm anxious, immediate, and because money is my trigger, immediate went, immediately went to, this is it. Because a week before we had been projecting to have our best year ever, and we were making big plans. And then I went to the place of, we're done. And God bless my partner, Jen. She said, she made projections. And she was like, well, we're not done. (laughs) And then about a week later, we figured out that we probably would end up the year, if we're lucky, with half of what we had planned. But that was very different than being done. And then we made the decision because we kept losing clients to take PPE, PPP, not PPE, sorry. (laughs) Um, And I felt very ambivalent about taking PPP. That was weird. I just closed the paperwork a couple of days ago. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That's a lot. There's so many elements to that that are a lot to process and you're doing it very rapidly. Can we unpack a few of them? (laughs) So let's work backwards. Um, PPP, talk about um, what that was like from a practical perspective, but also why it was so hard emotionally. From a practical perspective, it was actually God love my bank. Can I actually give my bank a shout out? Because they're a community bank. It's Cambridge Trust Company. I have banked with them for years. I go into the branch every week. They know my children. They give us, we exchange Christmas gifts. We, I mean, these bankers and I have a personal relationship. And so for years we've banked together and they have been amazing. So I was very lucky. We missed out on the first round because the money went, you know, in like a minute, but we made it into the second. And um, so process wise, I didn't have any of the headaches. I mean, I'm hearing nightmare headaches from other small business owners, you know, and, and there's this sense of nobody knows what's going on. I mean, we've, I've watched webinars hosted by law firms. I've talked to my own counsel. No one knows what's going on. (laughs) Um, So, so that's kind of weird. But from taking the PPP, I felt it was very female. It was like, well, it should go to someone who needs it more. You know, I'll be okay. It should go to someone who needs it more. Um, we can survive. And it was my husband and again, my partner, Jen, who said, it's not that much money. We didn't get that much money. It's a tiny drop in the bucket. It's like basically one, it works out to like one month of expenses, although it's technically two payroll runs. Um, let's take the money. You never know. And I think I had to swallow my pride. I felt ashamed. I don't know if anyone out there listening has been through this and felt like it was their own personal failing as a small business owner, even though it's a bloody pandemic. But I felt the overachiever in me felt like you should have figured this out. You don't, you shouldn't, you don't deserve this. And that 
is a heartbreaking reality that so many of us feel. And it sounds like it was also with the, the emotional noise of um, the fear of losing everything, but your sense of pride and self-esteem in the midst of it. Yes. And so which are you protecting? <laughs> your sense of self or the reality that you're living in? <laughs> well, exactly. And I, the, the other thing is, Laura, I should say this so that I don't own a restaurant. Like it's, there are certain cases that I think are very cut and dry, right? You own a restaurant. The law says you can't go to a restaurant. The PPP probably doesn't come with conflict, but I own a digital consulting firm. The internet is booming. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there was this sense of why can't you figure this out? Um, you were sharing with us how this great big change happened to your business overnight. And you um, noted that it was, um, was it in concert with or triggered by when South by Southwest was canceled? Mm -hmm. um, was it triggered by, well, I don't know because I'm not an event planner, but I think that um, for people in the sort of tech and tech adjacent world, um, which is so conference-based, mm -hmm. right? Like, it's so interesting to me to think about how much of our, quote, innovation economy is driven by in-person schmooze fests and conferences, Our right? annual conference is the thing that marks how I, my relationship to COVID and when we shut down and how it impacted our business how? as well. How? Um, we run an annual conference, the Wharton People Analytics Conference. It was scheduled for April 2nd and 3rd. And um, it was late February and we were starting to wonder what was going to happen and had to track three, we had to have three concurrent realities. Did we run the conference as planned? Did we run a smaller conference? Did we cancel the conference? Mm. And so that made my head explode, but it was like those, you know, trying to conceive of multiple forms of reality and plan for all of them at once. And then um, it was the, what was going to prompt the decision first? Was it when our speakers couldn't get there? Was it when our guests couldn't get there? Was it going to be when Penn shut down or was it going to be when the city shut down? So, it, and, and so that was the fulcrum on which the rest of us were swinging during that time. But how what, about you? What did you do, though? You canceled it? We wound up canceling it. We, um, it looked like there was going to be no way that we were going to have a critical mass of audience. We might have speakers. Maybe we could record it and send it out. And then um, I'm quite grateful and proud of Penn as an organization because I feel like they were out front in keeping everyone safe and making mm. a series of cascading decisions that were aimed at a complex system working where it was most needed. So how did we make sure that students were continuing to learn how to make sure that the hospital mm. was still running and everybody was safe? And, um, you know, I'm always proud to be part of Penn, but never more so than during this time because it felt responsible and data-driven and compassionate. And um, so Penn told us we're shutting things down, no gatherings of people more than 50 before the city and the state shut down. Mm. And our governor also happens to be um, operating, I think, in a very responsible and cautious way. So we, I actually live in one of the first counties to have been shut down. So wow. um, I, I feel like I've been home for two months now. Um, <laughs> but it was that kind of cascading series of events that then has an economic impact in lots of places. I feel like this, this whole pandemic makes us so aware of all the interconnected systems that affect our lives. You know, I mean, when you were describing 
Penn. It's not just a university. It's, it's this massive ecosystem. But it's funny because I was just looking at this data that Gallup just did a, a survey of people um, right now about workplace well-being. And people said that the thing that made them feel good about their organization was whether their leaders communicated what the COVID plan was and, inc and included them in the planning as much as possible. That's really interesting. So that actually resonates with what you said before about when we can communicate our own, you're talking about a leader who communicated her own fear to her team, mm -hmm. but and as a way of making being normal and real and normalizing the fear and then making a place for that to move into planning. Right. And, and I think the difference is, is not is not showing the mess. So, so not showing <laughs> the, the anxiety attack that precedes the fact that we're going to close this, but saying to the team, we're going to close this and here's why. Do you have any questions for me? You know, and I, and I think that that's, but, but, but prefacing it all with, wow, this is hard. I feel anxious. Do you feel anxious? Right. Or how do you feel? So I want to explore the process with your own team because that um, being real without sharing the parts of the mess that scare other people was something that I was acutely aware of in trying to help navigate this with my own team. Mm. So you said earlier that, you know, you realized that this big change was going to happen um, and you vacillated between the it's all over fear. And uh, fortunately, your partner um, did some projections, which means, you know, turn to the data, get some real information. Talk to me about what that process was like. I mean, I, I was a little bit in denial also, too. Like, I, I, I wanted to step away and just not think about my business, too. I had this urge to, like, just close it off because it was all so overwhelming at the same time. Um, but... I, I, I felt like very weirdly flat about it. Like very, like I, I did, I actually, and this is not normal. I cut it off. I just was like, I don't care, whatever. I was like, a, I was like a petulant kid. Um, <laughs> was it like a little bit of being an ostrich? Like I want to yeah. stick my head in the sand it's, so I don't it, have to cope? I avoided the spreadsheets for a good week and a half. It's like I there knew, was a period in my life where I wouldn't open the mail because I didn't want to see the bills, like they would magically go away. That's exactly right. And, and, and like, what is the advice that I always give people as small business owners? Never ignore the bank statement. Never ignore the <laughs> spreadsheet. Like, know where your cash is at all times. It's all about the cash flow. And I was like, do, 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 do. Ah, da, da. <laughs> um, uh, so, so luckily I had a team member who brought me back to reality and, um, and then I got busy. I mean, the good thing that happened was about 10 days after the sort of South by Southwest, like, dun, dun, dun moment where you're like, <laughs> that's it, we're going under. Um, we had a plan. And the plan, the plan evolved. The first part of the plan was, I wrote an email. And again, I have a small team, but I did get a couple of emails of, are we going to be okay? Am I going to have a job? What's happening here? Those are and, real questions right now. Yes, they are. And so I wrote an email that was short, but I worked really hard on it. That was like, look, <laughs> I don't have a crystal ball. Everything is different. I don't know what's going to happen six months from now, but here's what I can tell you. 
and I listed out the projects and I said, you know, we're, we're in good shape for now. I promise you have my word. I will do my best. And if I see bad news coming down the pike, I will let you know, but we're all good for the next like 90 days and cash wise and in, in terms. And so that felt good because it was like, okay, I've, I've communicated as much as I knew. And then I, and then I got really busy, like biz dev. I was like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and I emailed a lot of clients and, and what's been really interesting. So we're, we're, we're basically run like an ad agency. Clients pay us to do work. We've been shedding clients. Absolutely. People are, people are having to put work on hold, you know, um, nonprofits are struggling and they can't get funding. So it's hurting. We are, we are not in the best shape, but we're also getting a lot of short-term work related to the stimulus because of the nature of the kind of consulting we do. And so every day it's kind of this juggle, like, <laughs> oh my gosh, we're so busy. And oh my gosh, are we going to be okay two months from now? And, 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 and looking at the cash dwindling in the bank. So taking the PPE was a really good thing. I came around to it. We need the money. And um, like everyone, I'm just learning to juggle um, getting through the day of busyness with trying to plan for the future, which is, I, I don't know about you, but I find like not a natural ability. It's really hard. See, I have the opposite thing that for me, um, I'm a strategic planner. By, mm. that's really the primary thing that I do. Right. And so, and I love planning. It's a joke in my family that I'll wake up and as soon as I've had half a cup of coffee, I need post-it notes because I'm starting to plan things. <laughs> sometimes it's what we're going to do that day. Sometimes it's how I'm going to organize the closet when we move three months from now. Like, so I can get a little nutty with it. It comforts me to be envisioning something in the future. Yeah. But I know that that's not the case for many people. Um, but what does seem both common and, and I'm going to try this out it, to see if this is useful. It's like you faced the five stages of grief, but you did it with the, the changes that were happening and you replaced those five stages with hide, face it, share it, <laughs> focus on it, and then dig in and do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and also just like try to get distance from it, you know, like, I think that that's really important. And, and, and a psychologist will say this to you about, about your anxiety, like try to step back from the feeling and observe it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's been something I've been practicing because, you know, money is my thing. Money scares me. And so when I look at the fact that like, oh my gosh, <laughs> can we make payroll? I'm like, I'm trying to step back and, and think of the feeling that is driving the panic. And, um, and where it comes from and whether it's real or not. So that's been... That um, technique I have found enormously useful when I've had those kinds of moments mm. of it, whether it's a performance anxiety or it's mm -hmm. about um, I'm having my own ostrich moment that, <laughs> like you said, if you can um, identify that you have this feeling, name it. Think about where it's coming from. It does make it easier to at least wrestle with it in the moment so that you can move to facing what you have to face. Yeah. So in that process for you, and you talked about projections and making choices about what would get done and what wouldn't get done. How did you, once you had data in front of you, how did you um, prioritize things? <laughs> um, well, I just took the role of biz dev. 
So and my partner does the sort of management. And so that's okay. good. Like that's her job. And, and, and my job is to be, um, my, my friend Cheryl Conti calls it jazz hands and spreadsheets. <laughs> um, <laughs> She, she and her partner, yeah, they had a great working relationship. Cheryl was jazz hands and um, her partner was spreadsheets. And so, you know, it's, it's that person who's out front trying to sell versus the person in the back office making sure things actually happen. Um, and so, and so that's where we're at. And so, and so maybe if you're listening and you're thinking and you do have a team and you're like, where can I put my limited effort? Because remember, we don't have all day to work anymore, right? No, because I mean, we've got, you know, 14 animals at home to I take mean, care of. I, I got like two hours during the day, some days max, and then I can work at night when the kids are in bed, but I'm tired. So, you know, it's really thinking about where can I put my talents? So for me, the best use of my talents is work in that Rolodex. Like that's what I can do that some other people can't. And so I'm going to focus on that. We need to, I just want to remind you that you're listening to Women at Work on Business Radio on Sirius XM Channel 132. And I'm your host, Laura Zarrow. My guest is Maura Ahrens-Mealy, founder of the social impact agency, Women Online, host of the Anxious Achiever podcast, and author of the best-selling book, Hiding in the Bathroom. And part of what this all means is Maura has been a longtime expert on managing her own introversion and actually maximizing it for kind of impact and success a lot of us wish we could have. So. Mara, talk to me about the, for those two hours, this, I want to know about the shift in your household. We were, is, you know, here, part of why I'm, you know, recording out of a closet right now is because I have a teenager studying for her AP exams. I have a partner who's an attorney who needs quiet where he works. Um, you know, there, there's still lawn work and construction going on in the development outside. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of chaos around us and a way that we have to figure out how to have some parallel play. How are you... <laughs> For the two hours that you get, how are you putting all those things aside to get the quiet? <laughs> and some of these, it's more than two hours. So my husband and I have, have worked out a shift schedule, which is amazing. So, you know, we may take the, someone gets the morning and someone gets the afternoon. He's been teaching. He's a university professor. So he's been teaching as well until this week. Um, so, so, so three days a week, he was basically all afternoon had to be. And, you know, gone um, on Zoom. So, so I was with the kids then. I just, you know, I'm like leaning on those lists. I, I really, really <laughs> am. And, um, and also because I'm so anxious about my business right now, trying to um, check in more with my team and just like sending them a text message and saying, you know, anything okay? Do we need to check in on anything? Um, so that, so that I. And it's really not for them because they've got it. It's for my anxiety of like, is this all going to be okay? Something about that little touch out really helps. Mm -hmm. um, so, 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 so doing that, just being, trying to be judicious. And then um, um, it's hard. I, I don't know really. I don't have a brilliant answer for this. It's really hard. So, so you don't need brilliant. You need real. And that's exactly what we're getting <laughs> more. It's perfect. So talk to me about those touch outs. Um, I know that I we've instituted a few um, things on our own team that are helping us feel connected. Mm. Tell me how you're 
both the how you're balancing the need to be efficient, like you said, those quick text messages, mm -hmm. tell me what you need from me today. And how are you keeping the cohesive tissue of the team um, well, healthy and alive? Here's the beautiful thing about having only been a remote team. This is normal. That's amazing. Okay. So that's we, important. We've never had an office. All of us have worked like this for years. And so we're used to it. So what, we, what we've always done is we always have a standing morning meeting on 11, at 1130 every Monday. Everyone gets on the phone and we just check in. You know, we go through clients. We just check in. Um, and then, you know, for each project, we'll have, we'll have check-ins throughout the week. So, and it's funny, I have one team member who's been trying to get us to use Slack for a long time. And I'm like... <laughs> so slack resistant and everyone gets mad at me um i was too <laughs> i know so 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 a few people use slack i i avoid slack it's so bad i i like i text people or i call them um but it, this is totally normal for us this is not different and um the thing that i i am so grateful for my team for and that i love them so much for is just how incredibly cohesive we feel as people and a team, and yet we hardly ever see each other. That's really, it's amazing. And it's so nice to hear that there's some aspect of your work life that had been set up, that worked for you all, and that's carrying you through this. In a, it seems like in a really healthy way. For us, it was a big paradigm shift. Yeah. Um, we have, we've built a team culture that, um, has being together matters to everybody. In fact, my whole team, they go to lunch every day together. Wow. And they really like each other. I love them. Um, and that esprit de corps is important to everyone. And they've always kind of carried it and cherished it and protected it. And so one of the things that we've done is we have a daily check-in where we do no work. It's mm. like our water cooler time. And um, in, it's been you know, it's not the same as being there, but it's been helpful. It, I feel like I can at least see who's feeling a particularly large amount of stress at a given point. Yeah. One of our researchers, her whole family are physicians in Italy. Oh so the level of anxiety that she had, so we wanted to support her. Another one's home with a almost two-year-old. So she's got her hands full while she and her husband are working, managing the little guy. <sighs> and then also for the people who live alone whose families are far away and isolate, like where some of some feel like congested up to their eyeballs with other living creatures, some feel an acute loneliness. And so I've, I've been grateful that I can see them check in, know how they're doing. Um, and the fact that they still show up for it now, six weeks later, I'm taking That's that amazing. to mean that they find some value in it. And we vary. Sometimes we've done positive psychology exercises. One day somebody <laughs> taught us origami. We played Pictionary one day. Or sometimes we just talk about what's going on in our lives. Okay. Um, and having just that little moment to connect, um, mm -hmm. I feel like the team's still there. See, I love that. But I also, you know, it's funny is that wouldn't work for my team. My team is we're sort of all business. Like we don't, during normal times, we'll get together as a team like once a year for fun, usually around Christmas time, but, and we'll see each other all year at client meetings and conferences. Right. But like we are all business on our calls. It's not a lot of schmooze because we've been working together literally for years like that. And um, we're all juggling. So I think also 
every team is different Mm -hmm. and it's really, it's really good to think about what does my team stand for? How do we align around the mission and what do we need right now? I mean, one of the things that I think has been the secret sauce of why my team is so good and we, we, we say we love each other too is that we're very aligned around what we stand for as a business, not necessarily even the product we put out, but how we, how we treat each other as people, mm-hmm. how we respect our time, how we respect boundaries, and our attitude towards money and clients. It's a very strong, aligned sense of this is how we roll. And that has, I think, that helps in times of strain. Because that's not just practical. That sounds like those are your core values and how you work together. Yeah. But, did, but it's, yeah. Did you consciously create that or did it evolve over time? Both. <laughs> Both. But, you know, I have always, not to be like, I'm so great, but I, I have always <laughs> said, and, and, and everyone who works with me know this, that, that like, I will always put sending like good sending good karma out into the world over immediate financial gain well speaking of putting good karma out into the world i think you're doing it with a plum with your podcast so Aww. tell me a little more about how it began and what your goal is for it well we were, we're a webby honoree which is amazing so we, we we're like we are on the long list for the webbies we didn't make the top five to be voted on but we are in that final congratulations um, so that's a really big deal i feel really proud of that um thank you um you know i i started the podcast because i i used to have a podcast called hiding in the bathroom when i wrote my book and i and i did that podcast and that was sort of about around emotion and boundaries and being an introvert at work and and having social anxiety and all the stuff about emotions at work and um the more i talked to people and i would talk about my anxiety the more they would say oh my god i have anxiety too no one talks about this specifically how your anxiety impacts your work life. And I just got really fascinated with the interplay between anxiety and leadership because it's, it's really something that I think is hidden under the rug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I just wanted so, I was just obsessed. I just wanted so badly to know how people with anxiety who had really big jobs and I'm talking about clinical anxiety, did it, you know, how do you do it? Um, and so I, 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 I sort of said to, to Harvard Business Review, like, what do you think? Because they were, they were really investing in podcasts, like, are you up for this? And, and they said yes. And um, it's been, it's, it's, it's absolutely my, my passion in life. It's my joy is, is, is finding these stories and, and asking people questions and, um, uh, what's really frustrating is that it's been really hard still to find people who have positions of authority in large organizations or publicly traded companies to talk on the record. Yeah. Um, part of why I think what you're doing is so important is it's destigmatizing it mm-hmm. and helping us see how common it is, how human mm-hmm. it is, and, and also to show that it doesn't mean that you can't be an effective leader. Of course not. <laughs> and, 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 and the moment, the moment that we're in now has been a great, it's not a great equalizer and that's a lie, but it has been an equalizer, I think, in terms of everyone accepting 
that they feel anxious. Yes. And, and maybe being a little more open about that. Right. And that we don't have to hide those feelings anymore. Yeah. Instead, it's actually helpful for all of us to talk about them. Um, so Maura, in the next, as you look at navigating the next few weeks with your team, um, the next few months, um, can you give us, we've got just two quick minutes. Um, what are going to be some of your guideposts as you go into this next stretch? Oh, well, financial survival is obviously number one. It's not a certain thing. It's not a certain thing. And I think that coming around to that um, is the process that I'm uncovering. And I know that I'm not alone in that. So I'm just, if anyone out there is thinking, my, my guidepost is, oh my gosh, can I keep this business that I worked so hard to build alive? I'm right there with you. Um, so, so that's, that's driving every decision. <laughs> um, but the, the guideposts are, you know, trying to, um, trying to do the best that I can for, for the people who have given me so much and done such beautiful work over the years. I, I feel, I feel committed to that because I'll be okay. I know that, but um, I really, I would be so sad. I, I've always said my business is like this tiny little jewel. And if I lost it, it would be devastating. So I'm, I'm thinking about that a lot. Mara, that couldn't, we couldn't have a more beautiful way to bring this to conclusion. And I'm so sorry our time is up. You've actually given us a lot of tools to help navigate the time ahead. So thank you. If people want to learn more about what you're doing, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Mora A-M, M-O-R-R-A-A-M, or they can go to um, wearewomenonline.com. Mara, thank you so much, and good luck getting through all of this. It's a pleasure to see you. And thank everyone for listening. If you have a question about anything you heard on today's show, email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at SXM Business and me at Laura Zarrow. Special shout out to my sweetheart, Jeff, for helping set up the microphone in the closet. I'm Laura Zarrow, and you've been listening to Women at Work here on SiriusXM's Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Have a great week and hang in there, everybody. The British Invasion. Motel. Surf music. Surfing USA. The Summer of Love. The 60s. A decade of change. A decade of unforgettable music. All 60s hits. Sirius XM. 60s on 6. Also streaming on your phone and on Sirius XM connected devices and speakers. MLB Network Radio. For expert baseball talk and analysis, it's MLB Network Radio. Bill Ripken. The longer the dark horses stay in it, the more they believe and things can happen. Jim Duquette. It's so bad. Something has to happen. Todd Hollinsworth. So many different guys are contributing. That is absolutely sustainable. Jim Bowden. He could have told that lineup it's coming. It did not matter. Talk baseball with experts from all perspectives. On MLB Network Radio, Sirius 209, XM 89.
Sirius XM's POTUS. Politics of the United States for the people of the United States. I'm Julie Mason. Hi, I'm Michael Smirconish. I'm Tim Farr. And every day we track all the news and events from Washington, D.C. and around the world. I love politics. We have discussions. And the best analysts in Washington. Just talking about politics, the serious and the absurd. And on POTUS, we'll give you news and analysis from inside Washington, D.C. With people who cover this story every day. That's the politics of the United States. Sirius XM's POTUS 124. Or listen on the Sirius XM app. Andy Cohen Live is fun. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Do you like it? Do you like it like this? A party. I'm really excited. I'm so happy you are. Revelatory. What? I've never heard of that. Uncensored. I'm not being a downer. I'm being funny. Insane. Wow, man. What a trip it was. Jaw dropping. What's going on? <laughs> Join me on Andy Cohen Live. You never know what you're going to hear. Radio Andy. Sirius XM 102. Or listen anytime on the Sirius XM app. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.